I, I think I speak for all of us when I say, like, we all learn from the newbies as well. Because, like, there's a bunch of stuff that I take as, like, granted or as, like, assumptions with, like, patterns of data. Uh, and, like, sometimes newbies will come in and be like, oh, actually, like, this contract is a new contract. Why do they do their token like this? And I'll be like, oh, I guess, like, that's a pattern I assumed wouldn't change. And it did change. Um, and so, like, it's always helpful to basically have new people coming in bringing in fresh perspective, pointing out changes that like, I just like, wouldn't see otherwise. Welcome everybody to another Deus Ex Dao podcast and in this episode we're going to chat with Andrew Hong also known as Ilemi and he is like the main data wizard at June um, so we're going to chat about like building a, a data community around June, June itself but also growing his new uh, data community called Byte Explorers um, but before we kick it off Welcome, Andrew, and um, maybe you can introduce yourself and like how how you came to be a, a June hat wizard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no pleasure, pleasure to be here. Um, it's been it's been an awesome pod to listen to so far. Um, yeah, uh, my my path into becoming a, a headmaster was, um, I guess, as non traditional as almost all crypto. <laughs> crypto full-time employees are um i i started out more on the banking side after college um thought i wanted to be a mortgage-backed securities kind of trader um and then after about two years i decided this is not <laughs> it's not the path i want like if you work in finance you deal with a lot more legal uh and like political bs than you do actual like fun work uh, so COVID hit. I had a bunch of free time because the bank I worked at could not figure out their remote tech. Um, and th that was 2020 spring. DeFi summer basically was just kicking off. Um, I ended up getting in touch with some ETH Global people um, who were just like, hey, we have like 300K in bounties for these hackathons. Just come hack with us. And it was literally at that time, like maybe only 50 or 60 people participating in the hackathons. So if you submitted anything, uh, you would win like three to five K. Uh, and I was like, OK, this is like basically free money for like people also just like one on one teaching me how to like how like teaching me how to write Solidity, teaching me how to write JavaScript. Um, so like that's actually how I got into the space. I did a bunch of like Solidity freelancing. I was no by no means a good Solidity developer, um, but that taught me like a lot about like the low level workings of uh, Ethereum, which I think then helped after I decided I didn't want to do Solidity. Um, and I started freelancing as like a Dune analyst about, I guess, six, seven months later. This is like now spring 2021. I've already been in the space for a year. Um, and airdrops becoming bigger. Uh, there's this company called Mir, Mir.xyz. Uh, they had a write token. They're thinking about doing a write token airdrop. I helped them design an airdrop using like Dune analytics as well as like some graph data analysis on the side. Um, and then 
joined Mir full time at that time. I was already writing a bunch of like Dune slash data blogs because like there was no material in the space. Like anyone who's a data analyst in Web two, you know, like search any topic and then you put towards data science medium and like there are a bunch of articles that can help you get started you know but for crypto like if you tried doing that back in 2021 like crickets like nothing you might get one article explaining like oh here's how a state tree works or here's how a storage tree works or like events are just bloom filters but it's like all nonsense for like a data analyst who's like not super technical into the space uh, so that's why I started writing, because I was just like, all right, someone needs to document this. Otherwise, no one's going to be able to learn this. Um, so doing that while at Mir, um, while also still freelancing. And then by end of 2021, or I guess by end of 2022, um, I decided, all right, I've been doing a lot of Dune stuff. Dune is looking for someone to help lead the community more. Um, and I made the hop over to Dune. Um, Yep, late 2022, and been here ever since, leading education, covering more than just Ethereum now. Uh, I've done articles and dashboards and stuff across Bitcoin, across Solana, um, just trying to, you know, help everyone better understand, like, data in the space and, you know, get get more people into our industry, <laughs> basically, is my goal. And that's that's certainly working. Um, I think I used a lot of like your your tutorials, where they were in video form or Substack form, uh, to understand June better. And I think I can recommend like anybody who's, who wants to learn June uh, or like work with some kind of SQL language, the blockchain to, to start with that um, because. It covers simple queries, but also more complex. Uh, sure. And even if you don't want to be, I think, uh, a June analyst, you just understand the tech better through that. Uh, especially as you said, like like most most written content is for programmers, but not for data yeah. analysts. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, somebody speaking to you in your own language that you know um, yeah. is is great. Um, so. Uh, that's that's I think the start of building a community, right? Like communicating what you can do uh, yep. with the tooling, uh, but also like people helping each other uh, without them actually being associated with with you. Just so because they want to see cool stuff being built, like cool dashboards, cool query, understand the space a little bit better. For me, I think that's one of the key features why June is a success because it's like an open source tool, and there's a lot of people. Uh, who can fork the code, uh, who can um, uh, can write about it and, and basically improve through that community. Um, is that also your interpretation, like why June is a success and why it's now such a household name and everybody just looking for June dashboards whenever they want more information on a project? Yeah, I mean, like looking back, I think it's easy to like retroactively fit a narrative of like, ah, yes, this... This thing we did is what drove our community. Um, I think Dune's always been focused on two things. Uh, one is obviously having like the easiest to work with data, um, like being the first to have Ethereum decoding, being the first to have Solana decoding, um, being the first to have spells, basically like Dex trades. That's always been like one of our top priorities. Uh, and the other one on the more community side is like, just being very disciplined and good at finding people who are able to bring in more people, All right? Uh, like put differently, like I consciously put more effort into like even one-on-one -on -one teaching someone 
if they give me the vibes that they're someone who's going to bring in a friend, right? If someone comes to me and they're very clearly just like bounty chasing and not really looking to like improve the ecosystem, I'll still help them. But like, I honestly don't help them as much. Um, and like, that's a conscious trade off that I've made that I've tell, told teammates to make. Um, and like, we've kind of like, it's not like we have a framework or like grading system, but like, we kind of have a good like soft filter for like, okay, this person's up and coming, they've got the right ethos, we're going to spend more time like boosting them, teaching them, getting them into our community, getting them connected. Um, and like, those are literally the three steps we go through of like, okay, boost them with our Dune Twitter and like with our own Twitter accounts, like teach them like, hey, here's how you can improve your queries or like, here's what teams are actually curious about past TVL. And then like getting them into our communities. Like we have like many different group chats for different topics or like different levels of um, and we'll just bring them in and be like, hey, this this person's up and coming, like go chat with them, you know, uh, and just continually doing that one by one. Like it doesn't scale per se, but like if you bring in one person who brings in one person who brings in one person, like you eventually hit like this power law. Um, and like, we've already seen that actually looking at like internal data. So that's cool. <laughs> Analyzing your own data to see how the network is expanding. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think there was a very important moment, I think last year where you were always like the, the top creator on June, but you had to give away that spot, right? Like, could uh, you tell I, me about yeah. that moment? <laughs> uh, because I think that was actually a super important moment actually proves um, that you were successful in what you were doing. Uh, but maybe you can sure. uh, out from your sp perspective. Yeah, uh, I, I was never the top creator. I think our founder was, uh, Hagatech, who's on there. He he created one big dashboard um, and that's been his contribution. Um, and yeah, last year we we had Hildeby kind of take over the top of the leaderboard. I think we had Richard Chen before that, actually. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's great to see just like like if you look at the dune leaderboard i think like there are a bunch of dune employees that do create on there but like we're not the top creators on dune uh by stars at least um and i think you're right it is a testament to the fact that like there are people who are just able to create dashboards and data that really connect with communities that like i don't talk to on a day-to-day -day, right like they're in there in the discords really understanding like oh yeah this community really wants to see this metric tracked or these wallets tracked and they'll go do it and they'll like move up our leaderboard. Um, and it's like completely organic. Um, it does feel good to see. Uh, and that is one of the ways we look at the power law. It's like, we can look at a metric where it's like, how many days does it take to get a wizard to a hundred stars? Um, for example, like that's one thing we saw of like, <clears throat> if you think of a learning curve of like how many stars a wizard gets over a lifetime, it used to be like, oh, it takes 300 days to get to um, 100 stars. Or at some point, it was like 500 days for like the early wizards, um, like 20, 2019, 2020 wizards, basically. Um, and like that's shortened down to like, if you're good, like 60 days or 30 days is even enough now to get to 100 stars, uh, which really shows like the network effects of the platform. Um, so that... That viewpoint is actually something we look at more than just like who's at the top of the leaderboard. <laughs>
Yeah, because I think the the stars not only show the appreciation for the creators, but also just the community looking yep. more and more into these dashboards and appreciating uh, what they do. Mm -hmm. um, I think maybe we can go a little bit deeper into June and the role of uh, basically crowdsourcing that analysis because June um, is is being helped massively by these these creators because they also not only create dashboard, but they also create queries that create more tables in June, like more pre-processing inside of June. Um, yep. I think think like that's also one of the strengths that you outsourced some of the opinion uh, of like how this data should look and like what data yep. sources should standard be available. Um, what's the process there? Like who gets to decide what new tables gets get added? And how does the community help with that? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Uh, it's very complex. Um, there's really only, I feel like, two repos in the ecosystem that have done this well, I think. Um, one is Dune Spellbook, obviously. And then the other is like DeFi Llama adapters. Um, and like I was checking out the stats from each. And like the stats are like fairly well aligned in terms of like, both of our repos see about a thousand files change or get added uh, a month. Uh, we both see basically like of those thousand files, like 200 or so of those are like new protocols or like new tables. Basically, it comes from like roughly 40 or something contributors. Um, and they're like they're different contributors, like DeFi Llama has a different set of contributors than we do. But I think it speaks to the ecosystem in terms of like that kind of growth stat is the same. Um, and if you've worked with data before, like if you haven't worked with data, you might be like, oh, a thousand files or 200 models. Like, I don't know. Is that a lot or a little? Um, I'm going to tell you right now, that's a ton of data to work with. Um, and that means that from Dune's perspective, we only have enough time to really make sure the models run and don't air out. Um, we don't really have time to be setting standards. Um, and I think like DeFi Llama is kind of in the same boat. They set some standards around like what they count as TVL or not. But other than that, it's like it's very hard to set some sort of standard um, for like even like this is what a deck swap is. Um, even something like that's hard because you might get a new kind of decks like Nocturne. That's like a ZK decks where you don't have traders. You just trade like UTXOs basically. Um, and it's like, OK. This doesn't fit into like the one token in one token out standard we're used to from Uniswap, or you have curve that's like they swap like every swap could be two swaps because it's swapping one curve pool and then swapping the base pool. Um, so it's like I think a lot like Dune gets a lot of requests actually to be like, hey, can you guys come out with some sort of standards? And it's just like like honestly, it's like there's 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 no way for like crypto at this moment and how quickly things grow to like throw standards on top we're literally just like fighting to stay on top of all of the work the community is doing um and like we're not even really pushing the community to do it they're just like they need to put things in there because it's like heavy compute that can't be done through like normal queries in dune uh so they're just like i want this in there to unblock my workflow and that's it uh they're in they're out they're in they're out you know so it's hard to say that like we've done something specific there <laughs> besides just like try to stay out of their like we try not to block them basically 
Uh, and that's like our ongoing strategy. <laughs> yeah, and I think in the in the last episode I did with the indexing company, we we talked also about the standardization. Like, do we need that? Is that right. possible? Yeah. Um, it's really hard. Like, the, the space is way too early to to do that. Yep. And I think like what you just said is like j just let it grow wild. I think it will select it out itself. Like if for more users, like these tables are being recommended more, maybe in articles and videos, and more people will use it. And then it, you know, it selects itself out. So so that's a way of standardization just by seeing how much it is adopted. Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, that that's be, true. Yeah, I think that would be a a, a fine uh, fine approach. And I think on the other end, like that's that's i think what what good data analysts should do is like view the same data from like different viewpoints so sometimes yep. we have to look from the wallet perspective sometimes from the project perspective and mm -hmm. how the data is processed is is always in a different way so yep. maybe you can have like two conflicting opinions on the data in the same database it's just more of a question like hey which table uh, will I then um, use for my analysis? And yep. I think that's where the conversation, and I think that's awesome also, also about June dashboards is that you can add like text and like your comments in there. I actually want to see that being done more, like explanation of like what's really happening. Why did I source this data and not this one? Yeah, yeah, um, that's fair. But like, yeah, I think that that's something that eventually uh, we'll see more and more. Uh, we're just happy that there are people like pre-processing data for us uh, and, and, and like pre-compiling that to uh, so we don't have to do the same work over and over again. Yep. Um, yep. Um, which I think brings me to one of the, the critiques I, I have on June. So, so hopefully yeah. we can talk into this too. Like um, my problem is that like all data like merging, cleaning, and then creating metrics is being done in one query. In, in your latest article, uh, which I will link in the in the show notes, um, you mentioned that that's actually a strength, like putting it all in a single query. And in yeah. some cases it is, in some cases not, it, it isn't. But maybe we could chat about like the situations that when is it super ideal to just put everything in one query? And in what stage would you say like, hey, I want to, pre-process and then use that pre-process data for like different analysis or like different views, different metrics and reuse that pre-processing without having to wait for like all that pre-processing to happen. Um, floor is yours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why did I you mean, make that statement? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, easy answer is it depends on the size of your team. If you're a single analyst, like if, if I'm working by myself, like I very much prefer to just have less queries. Like I want, like the assumption here is I'm building something for like analytics or monitoring. I'm not building something for a production app. Um, like in that case, like it is nice to have a single query where I can aggregate everything from my parameters to the tables uh, and also have like scheduling and alerts and like everything built into one. Um, I think as like, if you're a single analyst working on a team and you don't have like another data engineer or analytics engineer to help you, um, it's super powerful to be able to do everything in one query. If you're a team of 10 analysts, then yes, I heavily recommend you use our like query as a view and like materialized view features, which is basically like you can build an ETL pipeline 
of Dune queries, essentially. Um, yes, at, at that size, uh, you should definitely be breaking down your queries. And like that's something we do see from a bunch of our teams, um, like One Inch or Lido or whatnot, who like have their own like I think some of them track it in a mirror board where they just like literally like link the Dune query and draw like a DAG, uh, which for anyone who doesn't know, like a directed graph showing the lineage of a query. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it evolves over time. I'm like not, I'm not like, oh, everything should always be one query or, oh, everything should always be broken down. Cause I've like seen on like some teams, like where an analyst kind of falls into the trap of like, they think DBT or something's really cool. And they try and break it down into way too many subtables just because it feels cool. Uh, and then they kind of like, like, how do I put it? It's like, if you give someone a complex surface, like if you reveal the complexity of something, people will always build up to however maximum the complexity can be, even if it could be much simpler, you know, versus like you force someone into a simple surf like surface. It's actually sometimes better for the user if you force them to work under these simple constraints, um, that's like been a tried and true, I think, data lesson. <laughs> um, but I don't know if that fully answers your question, but that's that's been like my my viewpoint on it. So, well, well, it does because I, I think um, uh, my opinion on this topic is indeed like different research or different applications need different pipelines. And yep. at first, June was really that platform where you would write one query and then that was like the result in a table yep. or in, in, in some kind of graph. Um, uh, I think you're moving now more towards like, hey, we can link queries. Um, yep. The one yep. inch query you mentioned, I worked with that too. Like you link to one one yep. inch query and exactly. then you can pull the data from there. So it, it brings a little bit of the responsibility to like the community or like the companies that say right. like, hey, we know this data best. We build some queries for you and then you can do whatever you want with it. But like, yep. this is how we think our data definition should be. Um, and of course, you, you're, you added features of like, hey, you can also put in your own CSVs as a table. Um, so you can add like yep. off-chain data or just data you sourced that is not currently available on June. So um, exactly. I think I'm glad you moved towards like, let the user pick that and uh, yep. whether the user is one person uh, or a full team. Um, uh, yeah, I'm glad, glad that development is, is being done. Um, uh, but it also shows like the community can be a value. Like like one inch is building cool queries. Like oh, I look at that, that original query; it's insane. Like I yep. couldn't like, build something. No, that yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so like linking queries, um, creating your own tables. I think that's a that's an awesome feature. Um, I think we should um, talk about like your your new community. Um, sure, yeah. course, you've grown the June community, uh, but like I think last week you you mentioned, hey, I'm building a new community, and it's yep. called. Um, I think you're presenting yourself as Crypto Databytes, and the right. community is called Byte Explorers. That's correct, yes. right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, I'm still figuring out branding, but I figured I would separate the entities since. Crypto Data Bytes is just like my newsletter and my writing. Byte Explorers is meant to be not fully standalone, but like a sub-entity of it. Um, 
mean, I can, I can, I can talk more about kind of why, why I created it and what, why I think it matters. Um, so I think obviously, like, we work in crypto, uh, but most data or like, like Dune or Flipside or whatever you use, um, it doesn't tie into crypto. Like, it doesn't actually use crypto for the most part. Um, and I think that's a fairly lost opportunity. Um, cause like the more, if you like talk with a lot of platforms in the space, um, like crypto platforms, not data platforms, uh, be it like layer three dot X, Y, Z or D work, or like there used to be one called one one dot X, Y, Z or bounty caster or rabbit hole. Like if you talk to any of these teams, they'll say, oh yeah, like Dune bounties are like the first thing we want to see, or like Dune work is the first thing we want to see. Um, cause it's kind of like the most objective, like you can tell if someone made a good dashboard or not, you know, um, and it's fairly objective. Uh, so like a lot of our communities, like not just the Dune community, but like data community in general has participated on all these platforms and like earned different po-ops or earned like won different competitions or completed different bounties. Um, and they might've gotten some crypto tokens in return, but like it's not tracked anywhere. You know, like you can argue, oh, yeah, I won this competition and it's got this contract here. But if layer three then decides to pivot like they did out of competitions into like more generic quests, like no one's going to be able to find that contract ever again, basically, unless someone record keeps all of it, which no one is because there's too many startups that are pivoting. Um, so my thought process is like, all right, there's two things that are necessary here. One is like the first one is like, it should be the data community choosing how to track like token issuance and reputation. It shouldn't be up to like bounty caster or something to figure out like, oh, they this this Dune wizard completed a bounty. We should give him like four Dune tokens or something for like completing the bounty. Like a lot of these platforms don't have the energy to go and like figure out these minute community like reputation systems. Um, so. First thing is that that should be controlled by the data community, uh, which is why I built Byte Explorers with the ERC-6551 standard, which is basically you store any number of tokens in an NFT. So essentially the NFT becomes a pat. Like if you think of it as like you have a passport and when you travel, you get stamps in the passport that you collect that shows where you travel to. It's kind of the same idea. You have a passport called a Byte Pass. Um, anyone can mint it. Um, and as you complete different quests and like the community comes together to agree on like what should be considered a quest and what should be minted a stamp, basically, um, as you complete quests, you earn it, you earn tokens. Um, and then it becomes really easy for anyone inside or outside the community to see like, oh, hey, like what has this person done um, like data wise? Uh, and you can see, oh, they have this many tokens. They earned it from these platforms. They've been part of this data community for X, Y, Z times. Um, and it becomes a great way to build up reputation that's like not tied to a specific data platform and also not tied to how like a bounty platform <clears throat> might want to decide reputation. Um, so that's like one of the big unlocks. And the second one is really like, I think that a lot of platforms that exist expect you to bring your own token, BYOT. Um, like if you look at Jokers or even MetricsDAO um, or like any governance platform uh, or like Hats Protocol, um, they're all like, hey, or Guild even, like they expect you to bring a token and then tie some action to it. 
Um, and currently, like, there isn't a token that's easy to tie the data community together with. So, like, if, like, Dune wanted to host, like, a, a data competition where it was, like, token-gated to just data contributors because they don't want it to get sibled, for example, they have no way of, like, pulling all, like, I don't know, like, good wizards or something. Um, especially, like, other people off Dune, like, you might have Shadow, who's like, hey... We want product feedback. We'll use Dform to survey the data community to get like, and like we'll put incentives with it. Like if you fill out this form, we'll pay you 100 USDC. You know, like they don't have a token that they can just call and import data community, basically. Um, so anyways, it's long-winded, but those are the two problems I'm trying to solve with this community. It's called the Byte Explorers. We're already 106 people after a week. Um, and anyone of any skill level can join so yeah and i think such a reputation system from the data community itself like where they can judge each other each other's work but also i think i see in in the in the group that there is a lot of like peer review like people are sharing work commenting yep. uh asking questions to each other i think that's um that's beautiful to see because i think that's my opinion on like data analysis is that it's a never ending work. So you have to like iterate. Uh, and that's because the world keeps changing, like the on-chain world keeps changing, but also because you can probably improve something and somebody else can give you an idea of how your metric can be better presented, for example. Um, so it, the problem is like your work is never done, but, um, it's a good thing because you keep learning and um you know sometimes your project is finished but i think before that happens there's probably a few steps and iterations over your product and such a community can definitely help with that um and it's also good to see that there's like people who just started like the first queries yep. and people in there who you know are like top June uh wizards <laughs> that create like yeah. the best dashboards um but yeah, I, I feel that's not a problem to them, like being with the newbies. Um, oh, yeah. Because yeah. They, they've They're been one people. too. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. And like, I mean, like, I, I, I think I speak for all of us when I say, like, we all learn from the newbies as well. Cause like, there's a bunch of stuff that I take as like granted or as like assumptions with like patterns of data. Uh, and like, sometimes newbies will come in and be like, oh, actually, like, this contract is a new contract. Why do they do their token like this? And I'll be like, oh, I guess like that's a pattern I assumed wouldn't change and it did change. Um, and so like, it's always helpful to basically have new people coming in, bringing in fresh perspective, pointing out changes that like, I just like wouldn't see otherwise. Yeah. It's a great time. Yeah. You can get stuck in these habits, like For sure. your own yeah. Yeah, platforms you like to work with, but also like tables you want to call exactly. or products exactly. you work with. So yeah. um, I think that helps. Um, and I think it's also great that even though you're working for June, uh, you actually allow like any analysis or any dashboard or any language yep. or data source in here, right? Yep. Like that's, that's really showing that you want to be agnostic uh, and just want to have a good data community instead of yep. like best people for this single tool 100 percent. yeah and we want to i think there's like i think i was talking about this on the twitter space on wednesday but like a lot of analysts just sit in the query layer but there's a ton you can learn from better understanding the indexing layer 
And like, same thing, like, I think a lot of indexers, like data engineers kind of get stuck because they're like, oh, what do I do after I build up balances? Like, there's kind of nothing else to do. And it's like, well, no, if you look at what analysts on the query layer are actually building, you'll get a much better intuition for like, what tables you might want to build at a data engineering level, you know? So I think like this kind of like cross pollination is just like really healthy overall for the ecosystem. Um, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think there are like different groups. Like you have these data engineers who really work with the raw data, create yep. like more structured data for the analysts to work with. But even like past that, you, you don't, you have, like people who build the dashboards, but I think there's also a type of analyst who just needs these good dashboards and is maybe super good in interpreting that data and like yeah. converting yeah. that to what does that mean for, for crypto? What does that mean for this project? What does that mean for this ecosystem? Uh, and those are like all different analysts or like data engineers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I think eventually you could describe yourself more in one of those roles. Um, but all of them work on understanding the, the, the space uh, better, like what's yep. what's really happening. Yep, uh, yep. Is, is there anything about that? Like like right now there's, you know, you're testing the community. It's early. You're giving out the first points. People come in. Yep. They um, submit some of their previous work. Yep. Um, What's what's next on the roadmap for for community, and how are you? You know, you how do you want to build out this 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 basically reputation system or reward system? Yeah, um, yeah, uh, it's a good question. Um, I think my main lesson from watching a bunch of communities get built and like either go stagnant or like lose traction over time has just been like a lot of communities get way too complex way too quickly. Um, uh, like I'll be honest, like I love the metric style people. Um, I think that their white paper was a little overly complex. Um I I appreciate the ambition of it. Um, but I think like for a community, the longer you can keep things simple, the better. Um, which is why I'm literally just keeping it as like there's one quest we do, it's a weekly quest that doesn't change. It's literally just share your work. I want you to get in the habit of like whatever you built that week, just submit it. Like there's no pressure. It's not a competition. Um, you'll get feedback. You'll learn from it, and you're own, you're, you'll you'll earn points. You know, um, and like the points don't mean anything right now. They're not transferable. They're not tradable. There's no money involved. Um, you get like a cute badge that you can kind of share around and like look at as you move up in tiers, um, and that's it. And like I really want to keep it simple for at least a month um until we get like maybe 10 people at like a higher tier or i think i'm calling it the trailblazer tier um and at that point i'll be like okay let's now take the same quest and introduce a community voting dynamic so now like if you have the trailblazer tier i'll give you 500 votes that you can allocate yourself essentially um but the main interaction doesn't change so it's kind of like add a platform add a commute like like if you think of it as like this first quest, we added the quest, I controlled the voting, and then we add the community interaction on top of the community can vote. And then after we get used to the community voting, um, I'm probably going to add something like attestations where it's like, okay, I want some way of not just rewarding the people who had the best, like who submitted good work, but also I want to be able to reward 
the voters and the relationships being built, I think attestations are a good angle. So I'll add that and just let it sit for like three weeks until people kind of learn, get an appreciation for it. Um, and then I think basically the long-term view is like that pattern of like add a base reward and interaction that's like controlled by a very limited set, open up the set and then add an attestation on top of the set is something we'll probably then repeat for like another platform like Bounty Caster where it's like very simple. Like I might build like a byte bot where when you finish a Dune or like a data bounty, you tag ByteBot and say, hey, I finished this uh, bounty. Uh, and then I might just at the start be like, okay, I personally will approve if I think this bounty was worthy or not. If it was worthy, you get one guild token per $100 of um, like bounty revenue, you know? Um, and then slowly open that up, slowly add attestations on top of that. Um, but like the key theme here is like, take it slow. It should always be simple. Like people shouldn't have to come in and understand like 10 different dynamics or 10 different tokens. Like when you look at the guild, like when you look at your bite pass, it should always be, oh, there's a name, there's the tier, and then there's like three token counters. And like, it's not crazy, you know? So that's, that's the vision for now. So. Yeah, that's definitely cool. Um, and the, the chat is like super active. Uh, yeah, yeah, lots of great people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and everybody's uh, submitting their work, whether that's like from last week or previous work. I yep, think that's yep. also good that you allow previous work because that's like people's introduction. Like, hey, this is my best. Exactly. Stuff yeah, like show, show, um, like show off what you're proud of. Um, exactly. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Build, build a small, small CV and collect it in in one NFT, basically. Exactly. And score yeah. 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 True, true. Well, it, it, it's good uh, that, that something like this is being built and people can support each other. Um, I think I have like maybe a more philosophical question about like how you see the um, data space evolve. Um, I mentioned you, you put out the 2024 annual guide on like what's the, yes, the status so. now. Yeah. Um, what like tools or systems do you want to see build or what type of dashboards do you want to see build in the mm -hmm. next year or the next two years that will help analysts or people interpreting the data yep. um yeah like where where you know we have good tooling tooling has definitely improved the tech has improved yep. um so uh what's next yeah um i would say one of the things that i think the ecosystem as a whole needs to improve on is definitely labels uh, like something as simple as just like labeling all contracts as like this is a dex contract this was a pool deployed by xyz person um like i think you can think of it as like there's three types of labels there's address labels there's transaction labels and there's contract labels um and you might you might you might we'll get into like oh address and contract like contracts are addresses but we'll get into that um but i think it's like Let's break down uh, like a Uniswap just-in-time like JIT liquidity swap. Uh, for those who don't know, the idea of just-in-time liquidity is the idea that when I go make a swap on Uniswap, someone will add liquidity at the time of the swap and then remove the liquidity right after the swap. So it's kind of like your swap gets sandwiched uh, and you actually do get better pricing 
and someone else will earn basically all the fees of that swap. Um, it's a little confusing. You don't have to fully understand it. But the idea here is that there are three actions that were taken. There was add liquidity, there was swap, and there was remove liquidity, right? Um, so something you would want to be able to say is, okay, I want to have like all of the add liquidity, remove liquidity uh, actions, like the function signatures labeled as liquidity um, functions. Uh, and then if I see a pattern of both like liquidity functions and swap functions used in the same transaction, I'm going to now label that transaction as a just-in-time liquidity swap. You know, um, So you start to build up this intuition of what's happening at the function call level and what combinations of functions mean different things. Um, and some of that has to be manually labeled. Some of that could be through like, um, like clustering and aggregations of just like, what are the most common combinations of functions and orders? Um, and like, which ones have we not labeled? And kind of just go through it manually from there. Um, obviously, it then helps to then have contracts labeled so you know like what functions are commonly involved with what contracts. Um, I think that's like can become really helpful in this space because like if you think about it right now, if I drop you like a dr drop a new user into Dune and have them query Uniswap, they'll probably go find the Uniswap decoded table for event swap, uh, and they go and query that, and they have no idea what's related to that. You know, they don't know that there's a positions manager contract. They don't know really how the positions are tracked. They don't know that there's aggregators on top. That's all context that's missing. So there has to be some easy way for the user to be like, okay, this was a swap on Uniswap. Um, what are the common functions that maybe I should look into that are on Uniswap? Or what are the functions that are common on DEXs that Uniswap actually doesn't enable? You know, um, I think it has to be easier for a user to navigate that both at the query level and at the explorer level. Uh, I think like onceupon.gg is trying. Uh, they have like a context repo, I think is what they're calling it, to do some of this function labeling. Um, but I don't think, like, I think Nansen has gotten the farthest with like wallet labeling per se. Um, but I think there's like still so much that can be done there that helps link the data space together. And it helps everyone across the whole stack if we can do this correctly um so that's that's something i'm really excited to see done better um the other big one is definitely like rpc improvements i think we're slowly going to move away from the rpc <laughs> in terms of like how to get data like you already see this with like how the graph or like gold sky are doing things in terms of like oh it's not realistic to transform like block by block RPC calls. Um, someone please go and dump all of these RPC calls into some like big query table so that we can just stream the table instead. You know, and I see the same thing when we look at like shadow, like sure, their main thing is like they give you a forked RPC, uh, but I'm sure they'll also offer like, hey, if you want this RPC data in a different format, we'll offer that to you too. You know, like there's no reason that our data engineering stack has to rely on getting data from RPCs unless you're like a front end that needs that, like, I guess, like low risk component. Um, but everyone else, like there has to be kind of this like 
between RPC and Dune layer of like raw data. Uh, so I think we'll see that come out probably honestly, I think from like rollup as a service providers, because um, you can imagine like Conduit or Astria, they have a thousand rollups. Like Dune is not going to integrate a thousand RPCs. But if you had a table that aggregated the data from all these RPCs, essentially, where I could like select all from chain uh, and just get that into Dune, that's realistic to integrate, you know? And like, I think that then causes meaningful differences in like how Dune defines schemas per se downstream. Um, so it's very long winded, but again, the two things are labels, 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 and um, evolutions from RPCs, essentially. That's uh, both good points. I think labels is definitely one that I'm interested in too. Uh, the the funny thing is that when I learned that, not all like the thing is with blockchain data is the the, the idea is you can fire, verify that yourself. But yep. if you look at the raw blockchain data, there's a lot of information missing. Uh, yep. You still yep. need to know like whose contract is this? Uh, like it's a Uniswap contract and um like what do these functions do like together and you could like try to figure that out with all the raw blockchain data but that yep. will take you a very long time <laughs> uh if somebody just told you like hey these three contracts they work well together and if exactly. these all fire off in a single transaction it's probably this kind of transaction right like exactly um and that's that's um what what i'm i'm feeling that we hopefully uh we will see projects do more and I think yep. that's another question for you, like whose responsibility will this be, or like um, who benefits the most if they would put these if labels they build out? It well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it. I, I mean, transparently, like that is something that I'm pushing for us to build. We are working on it. Um, like, if you're listening to this, that's something you're interested. Like, you like if you feel like, oh shit, this is a data set I want, or like, oh, I've already built part of this myself, and you want to work together. Just reach out to me on Twitter. More than happy to get you involved in our work streams. Um, again, all of this is being done in Spellbook. It's public code. It's not like I am hiding any of this. Um, like this is not a dig at Nansen, but like we are building a public labels data set. We're not building like a. I think if you have private, there are limitations to how quickly it can grow and how quickly it can keep track of things. If you have a publicly, it's much easier for people to understand to contribute on top of. So. Um, if you're interested, reach out to me. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll put all the the details also in in the in yeah the notes. for sure. Um, yeah, but but that's I think what will benefit, right? Even if if June has a table with some of these good labels that is verified by the community, is open source, then even like other data companies could just reuse that, like query exactly. June, add that to their data, uh, combine that. And maybe they have some insights and put in more labels back in yep, June. That's that's the vision. That's, that's yeah, the hope. yeah. I, I definitely can see that that happen and some good collaborations uh, on that. Yep, um, yep. I and then on the RPC part, yeah, I think that's that's really yeah. We don't have to look at all the raw data. Um, we need some layer on top that makes it a little bit more structured. Um, yep, and. Uh, and you don't have to call like the whole history of the chain every time. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can just take that data uh, because indexing the whole chain it takes like hours to days, uh, depending yep, exactly. on the chain. So, 
yeah. um, definitely something that uh, that can be outsourced to 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 others um yep. uh, and hopefully in a in a well-trusted way or in a verifiable way um but we'll, yeah. we'll see that happen yeah yeah agreed agreed awesome um i think think we're almost at the end of uh of the podcast i i would still like uh, to hear from you like if people want to reach out to you how can they do that and how can yep. they learn more about june and crypto data bytes yeah yeah, yeah um I mean, I, I try to respond to almost everyone who reaches out to me through Twitter DMs. Um, so I'm sure my Twitter will be linked, but it's Andrew Hong 5297. Um, just find me on Twitter. If you click in the link in bio, you'll see a bunch of starter articles. I run a newsletter that has almost 60 guides now across different chains um, for all different levels of analysts. Um, and I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm shilling my own community now, but I highly recommend you join the Byte Explorers. Um, there's a lot of good momentum and energy there. If you're trying to learn blockchain data, it is always more fun and easier to learn with the community than it is to learn it yourself. If you're trying to bang your head on the wall, studying one-inch queries on your own in a corner, I guarantee you're going to have a bad time. Uh, but if you share your work, if you connect with the communities on Twitter, on Telegram, uh, you're just going to have a much easier time onboarding uh, and your work is going to be like shared with many more people. Um, so that's, that's it for me. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. Like uh, the wall definitely has a hole in there because I try <laughs> to figure out how the queries work. Uh, yes. So I'm happy, happy to be also in the community. Uh, for you'll, sure. You'll see me in there too. Um, thank you, Andrew, for coming on. It was, uh, was great having you and hearing your views. Um, and hopefully people will hear much more from your uh, work uh, either that's in June or in the Explorers. Um, we'll, we'll see that happen. Uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to the Deus Ex Dao podcast, a place where some of the most progressive and innovative builders, thought leaders, and traders in the crypto space come together to discuss all areas of the crypto industry. Whether you're into DeFi, Layer 1s, Layer 2s, NFTs, or anything in between, we've got you covered. And as a reminder, nothing said on this podcast should be construed as financial advice or as a solicitation to buy or sell any digital asset or security. The comments, views, and opinions expressed by the hosts or guests on the podcast are their own. As always, you'll need to do your own research.